All right, welcome back. We're rolling once again in the Coglin basement, the new setup, although the setup is still bootleg. And uh, Jack, Jack is here today with me in person, so it's a big deal. We're excited, and now uh, let's get into it. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. All right, Jack, make sure you lean a certain way. Don't shift too much, and we should be able to record this just fine. Live and in color, casually in the Coglin basement, just like old times. Me I'm excited Jack, to be here in I person. Take, where did my phone go? I should take like a selfie video of us. We're like awkwardly yeah. close together. Right <laughs> like awkwardly close together right now, but it'll work. Um, We're battling the new mic. We're working with it. No, this this mic, the audio quality yeah. is better. Like I said, um, not as good if it was solo, but as a group, it's still better than the old mics. However. Not ideal. Mm-hmm. But I did some consulting today, Jack. I spoke to someone who runs a podcast that is much bigger than ours. And I have I have the, the bill of materials. I have, I have the materials needed now. You got the intel? I got the intel. Okay. What we need. I kind of already knew that, but yeah. I got confirmation, which is always good from a third party. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I gotta just make it happen. We gotta we gotta make, move some money around. Chip away. <laughs> chip away. Happen. One piece yeah. at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. No, it wasn't built. Rome in a day. wasn't built in a day. The Pipe it up podcast wasn't built in hundred episodes. I can no, tell you that. No, it wasn't. But we're doing all right. You know, I was I was giving him our numbers and stuff like that. This this person I was talking to, and uh, he was like, you know, it's actually better than I thought you'd say. I was like, okay, okay, yes. okay, cool. So that's good. That's good feedback. It's great feedback. It was good to hear. It was encouraging. And uh, like you said, Rome wasn't built. Can in a day. I ask like what kind of podcast they run that is more popular than ours? Uh, he runs like what type of podcast it is. Uh, I, mean, I could probably give it away. It's not really an issue. Yeah. Um, he runs a podcast, I believe, that is called Watching the Throne. Mm-hmm. It's a hip hop podcast, mostly about Kanye. It's okay. Been for several oh, years. so it's like a pretty like yeah, niche have, like, like podcast, kind of similar is, to us, I niche, guess, in a way. They have like a hundred k followers on Twitter. Wow. And okay. I got in contact with this person because he tweeted. I know he followed us, mm-hmm. and then he tweeted out like. Um, it was like recently I've been falling in love with the MLW Wiffleball League. This is like on the podcast account, mm-hmm. so I just like favorited it and then messaged him like, "Yo, thank you." And then he messaged me and got to talking. So, talked with him today for a little while. Thanks to Chris for that phone call. But yeah, like I said, I kind of already knew what we needed. Mm-hmm. But sweet. Um, well, I guess it's happy. nice to get some positive feedback from someone oh, yeah. who knows what they're doing too. A little bit. Yeah, that's cool. We pretend like we know what we're doing. Yeah, we do. We try to play the part. You got to fake it till you make it, though, a little bit. That's the name of the game. Yeah. That's the name of the game here yeah. at Pipe It Up Podcast. You have to. But uh, we're back here, and I appreciate, speaking of feedback, I did get a lot of feedback from all of you about last podcast in terms of how it was a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chill, trying to make it seem less scripted. Or I should say actually less scripted, not seem less scripted. <laughs> and uh, overall, good feedback. Um, most everybody that messaged me said they enjoyed it more. There's a good voice crack. There we go. Um, but some people were like, oh, maybe it was too casual, stick to more on topic type stuff. So we're, we're, we'll fine tune it. We'll make the fine adjustments now and we'll, we'll make it happen. But once again, Jack and I are coming in with pretty much no script today. We, we got some talking points though, of course. But as always, I wanted to ask you, Jack, first and foremost, didn't your sister get married over the weekend? My, yep. My sister, my older sister got married. Um, it went very well. It was a really awesome ceremony. I was fortunately. Uh, part of the wedding party, which was really fun. That was the first time I had experienced something like that. Been a while since I've been to a wedding. They're always great um, energy and just, uh, you know, really special occasion. So I'm super happy for them. Shout out Allison and Rob. Congratulations. Congratulations um, to the young couple. Congratulations and uh, wish you guys luck in your next chapter. Absolutely. Was that kind of weird, like seeing your sister get married she's my sister it was too. you know i'll be honest like it was um it was definitely uh a little bit emotional like it was you know that's my sister that's, so that's, that's definitely emotional. um it's it was a you know i really i really like the guy so i'm happy um with who you know she good. selected as her brother i can say that uh confidently so i'm excited for them and uh it was you know it was, it was a really awesome ceremony really cool to be a part of for sure that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. So you also have we have the same siblings, right? Older sister, younger sister. That's yep. It. But mm-hmm. my older sister is not married yet, so I have yet to experience the sibling wedding. But I feel like it'll definitely be yeah, like emotional and weird. Mm-hmm. It was. There were uh, there were moments like that. 
it just you're like wow i can't can't believe i'm <laughs> yeah, really getting weird. this old because i mean she's only two years older than me too mm-hmm. so it's just sort of like a reality check in that sense too but um it won't be yeah. long till all of our friends are starting to get i know that's like, like that. yeah, that's the new that's like the next phase we go into after school is we're just going to all each other's weddings you know what i mean that's kind of even scary. that's just a phase yeah scary. it's scary but that's exciting they're fun you gotta be you gotta Here's a lesson. You got to not be afraid to get out on the dance floor at a wedding because no one's really going to no one's really going to judge you on your moves. Everyone's there to just have a good time. And it's really a great practice because it's just, you know, no judgment out there. Go bust a move. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Jack, what's the song where maybe you're a little tired? You sit down, grab a grab a quick drink, maybe, maybe a snack. You're at a wedding kind of lay low but then mm-hmm. the song comes on you like i have to get up right now and hit the dance floor is there a song that gets you out of your seat like that um it definitely would uh, it would depend on the the vibe of the mood because like you can kind of go different ways with uh what you want to play for the dance floor i guess it depends on how the people are dancing mm-hmm. um but i am really kind of a sucker for anything like motown or like oldies okay. kind of that get up like a fun one to dance to like uh like, you know, like a My Girl, like a Temptations yeah, or like yeah. something like that. Like, that's just good. Really easy. You don't have to do a lot. You know, those are the songs that are nice to dance to because you really don't have to do a lot to seem like you're grooving along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything like that. But the music was great there. It was a really fun time. That sounds good. Sounds fun. I'm happy for them. And I'm happy for your parents. You and mm-hmm. your other sister as well. It's, a, yep. it's definitely a cool time in the family for sure. So I'll have to keep you guys updated on that in my family when I attend my first sibling wedding. <laughs> I don't think it's on the radar anytime soon. No questions popped or anything like that in the Coughlin family. So, but um, it's just weird, yeah, like growing up and stuff like that. Because I experienced something similar last year with like my cousin having a baby and I'm the godchild or the godchild, the godfather. Godfather. It's just yeah, another phase of life. It's weird. I know Alec, mm-hmm. like his sisters, a bunch of them are getting married. Having well, he's used to that now. Al, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's full Uncle Al mode now. He'll be a fun uncle. He is a fun uncle. I know. That's what, um, to uh, kind of bring it full circle, I guess, it's, it is, we're growing up, but wiffle ball, like, it is like such a kid's game like, yeah. at heart, and it does keep us younger. I was talking to a guy at um, the Toledo event, mm-hmm. and uh, he was talking about, like, how he was surprised, like, we kept it going all these years, and he's like, it's amazing. He's like, this must keep you guys all young and feeling like kids. I was like, oh, trust me. I was like, yeah, it's such like a... What's the right word? Is, is juxtaposition the right word there? What's that mean? Um, maybe. I don't know. I think I see what you're trying to get at, though. I don't think I'm using the right vocabulary. Let's do a quick Google. We need the we need the vocab word yeah, segment we'll again. Stop doing those, Jack. We, yeah, maybe we got to bring that back. <laughs> the, okay, juxtaposition means the fact of two things being seen or placed close together with a contrasting effect. Okay. So that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Kind of yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that tracks. I was tracks. just saying, like, yeah, like, the fact that the Wiffle Ball League is, like, getting more serious and, like, it's growing bigger than ever as, like, we're getting older mm-hmm. is, like, a weird thing. My my little cousin uh, is is pretty into MLW, and so we, uh, the day after the wedding yesterday on Sunday, cracked, uh, you know, pulled the bat and the Wiffle Balls oh, out. Nice. We had a little cousins game going, um, and that was super fun, so... Yeah, you got to get the kids involved. Does but. he have an Agner jersey or anything like that? He did. He oh, does man. have an Agner jersey. I think he my, a picture of him. my mom bought him one recently, and he had it. He was wearing it on Sunday, so that was pretty cool. He's, he's becoming a big fan. Yeah, absolutely. That's sweet. I don't know. In my direct family, I don't think I have any like younger kids that mm-hmm. are like fans. Um, but I have like I know my aunt. Um, she kind of like nannies two kids, and they both. I think they've seen the videos. They're younger though, like really mm-hmm. young. They're like six and three or six and two. They're really young. But they're aware of it, and like they think it's kind of cool. But I think they don't like fully understand mm-hmm. it yet. He he's so like he's so competitive. Like he he wants to play like right now. You know, like mm-hmm. he wants in the league, and he's not he's not really old enough yet. I think he's like probably, um, I think he's like twelve maybe or eleven. Yeah. Like so, he's not really old enough yet. He actually has he can switch hit, so he's got some skills. Uh, he was tracking the ball well when I was throwing him my meaty slider that you guys have all seen. <laughs> In the front yard, the duck hook, the duck hook, the duck hook slider. He was uh he was connecting with it when I was throwing it over the plate. So he maybe is a future magic star. Who knows if he if he can put the piece together? You know, he's an athlete, baseball player. He's just gotta he's just gotta grow up a little bit. This league's so competitive now. We can't have twelve year olds in it anymore, unfortunately. The future of the league is interesting because yeah, you never really know. And it's like me and you are both twenty three now. Um, but like Dallas, 
Landon, Trey Flood, Blade Walker, all like 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Like that's so long ago for us. So like, I know. once those guys are our age, like the, the guys, if say those guys age seven years or whatever, it's mm-hmm. 23, that means the guys that would be playing like below them are currently like nine years old, eight right. years old. Right. Right. It's weird because I met a kid at Toledo that was from Pittsburgh, I want to say, and he was like, I was like, oh, so how long you've been following the league for? Like, I asked him just general questions like, mm-hmm. what's your favorite team? Why do you like MLW? What do you like about it? And the first thing he said when I was like, you know, why do you love it or what do you like about it the most? He's like, well, so I really want to play in MLW one day. Yeah. And it's just like, it's funny to hear that. And you think like, oh, you're so young. It'll be forever. But it really won't be no. that long. No, I mean, eventually. And I think that is sort of like a, a common allure like for the fans because they see other people who kind of say the same thing. Like there's guys who will get drafted and mm-hmm. have followed the league already and just are – you know, so grateful for the opportunity. Like they, they never thought, like I've even heard Jimmy say that, you know, like a few times that um, like he never thought I'd be playing, but like there he is. So, I mean, that stuff does happen. You know I, I, mean? I do forget a lot of the guys, like Jimmy's one of them in Dallas. Yeah. Like they were like actually fans of MLW. They were they were like genuine them, fans like before. So yeah. So that's like a whole different ball game. I mean, I was like it's a fan before, but it was like, you know, only from what I heard around and school you knew everybody that and was like, I knew personally. everyone. Yeah. So it was like a little bit different. I think but. Cheatham said the same thing before. He was like the first day I came to like the tournament, I was nervous to meet you guys and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. They were like full on, you know, watching every video like fans and now they're watching themselves play it. So it's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, but back to Toledo, back to MLW. Um, I hope you guys all watched that video. Incredible stuff. I was just telling Jack, um, it's pretty cool, which you know was always the goal and everything. But the like from an analytical standpoint, with these first forty-eight hours, um, the Toledo series is actually doing better than opening day did off the rip. So that's kind of cool. We'll see if it can maintain that momentum. But mm-hmm. just, uh, I mean, we teased it last week with Warda when he was on describing it. But as you guys could tell, it was just a pretty. Uh, incredible atmosphere but what stood out to you jack from that from that video and just seeing the game well um i mean not talking specifically about the actual play itself like that that toledo game just looked like so much fun the fan cam was so cool it seemed like the the fans were really getting into it you know the post game interview like after the fact was was pretty cool like nuts it's just it was like it was really something i wish i could have been there obviously but like we say it all the time, those are the those are the events that make all the other stuff we do. Um, like that's the feel good stuff behind it. You know what I mean? Like when we get to go out and interact with the people. Um, Russell hitting a bomb was good to give some people, legendary. you know, some entertainment. What a legendary play from Russell! Of course, it was going to be Russell. Um, so I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Preds. I mean, if we want to talk the the actual play of the series, we can too. If you want to go first, but. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm gonna be honest, Jack. I'm just I'm uh, pleasantly surprised with the Preds start here. They're uh, they're up top of the American League at four and two, um, and yes, Russell's been great. Four home runs, um, three of them in that first series, the one in front of the crowd. But what stood out to me a lot is actually Ryan Cratch on the bump. Yeah, I would have the he's same been, thing. Uh, fantastic, and I don't know if it came across as well on the video because once again, you guys only see the last pitch of the at bat on those YouTube videos. But Ryan right now is featuring this overhand screwball. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a two-seam fastball, but more drastic. And I'm telling you, nobody else in the league features that pitch with the amount of movement that Ryan has right now. Jimmy Norp kind of throws it. There's a clip of Jimmy Norp throwing it to Ty Smith on opening day to strike him out. And but but Ryan's is just more drastic right now, and he's throwing it in every, like he's confident with it. He knows how to throw it. When I mean that is like I'm saying when he's ahead in the count, like he's jamming guys inside. It's mm-hmm. not like only trying to throw strikes with it. Like he's locating it perfectly. And I know for a fact, like Kyle was saying, how frustrating it was because on top of it being a great pitch, it also, as you guys saw in Toledo, like the, there was a white banner yes. advertisement kind of like where Ryan's arm slot was, where Kyle threw from lower. So that's kind of a live and learn situation for us in the future. But, you know, we didn't even think of that until the game was already being played. So 
Um, it was just it's a disgusting yeah. pitch, and he's throwing a lot of strikes right now. He's mixing it up well. He is throwing a classic like baseball curveball. Like you, we mm-hmm. always hear people say drops in football, right? It's a drop ball because right. Because in wiffle ball, like the, the reason it's called that drops, because it's like a lot more vicious, and it's a lot. It, sometimes it cuts like towards hitters. Where Ryan is throwing like a legit like twelve six curveball, and you can tell like his pitching experience from baseball is, is paying off right now. And I don't know. I mean, I consider the Wildcats one of the more dangerous lineups in all yeah. MLW. We gave them, I think, the highest rating rating mm-hmm. after their first series against the D-backs. They beat the defending champs two one. And the Preds just kind of cruised. I mean, the aggressive base running from Warda, the great pitching from Ryan, Russell doing it with the bat. I mean, they're kind of just uh, putting the pieces together right now and playing some good wiffle ball. It's pretty funny uh, that you mentioned the white banner thing because I noticed that right away even watching the video. I was like, oh, if I was trying to hit that, that would mess me up like so bad. I wonder how bad it actually was. I didn't even think of it, it or notice it until yeah. Kyle like mentioned it afterwards. Like, even in person, because I, like, I could see it okay when I was filming, but it's a lot different when you're trying to hit. So I noticed it on, like, the second pitch, I think, in the video. I was like, oh, wow, that messed me up. But I do want to really commend Ryan because we had spoken on this podcast before, and other people have talked about it, too, with the speed limit. And there was um, some times last year where Ryan may have struggled a little bit uh, to to keep it under that 73 mile per hour mark but now we've seen like how he adapted to that and it was adding these pitches it was adding a off speed uh you know like that curveball that you were talking about it was uh adding that screwball that screwball is that screwball is vicious um he he really had him working there and uh i i think for for him to do that against the Wildcats um, of all teams uh, really shows that Ryan, I think, is back to his old Cy Young self. You know, he he was a, a top forget, picture in the slick. He, won the Cy he, Young. he was a Cy Young and is a Cy Young caliber player. Um, and I think he does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder from last year. So um, I'm... You know, and when the Preds have him pitching that way, and then they have Russell hitting grand slams, like that's, I think Russell going into that series was leading their, or at least that last game was leading them, their team in batting average. Like, when has that ever really happened for the Predators? I, I, I can't remember the last time that was really the case. Like, I know Russell, I played with Russell. He's a very serviceable player and comes up clutch in big moments, but. With Cratch and Warder, I mean, they're usually the ones getting all the runs in. So when you have your guy, your guy in the three spot, sort of leading your team, and then you're getting Ryan back into his good form that we saw in um, what, say, 2018 or 2019, mm-hmm. um, it's a scary team. It's a scary team. Um, I think they're, you know, they're clearly. I think other than maybe the the Mallards, they're sort of the team to beat in uh, in MLW so far. So. Um, it'll be real interesting. I'm not sure who they have in their next series. Um, it might be the magic. Maybe I'm not sure. I, believe it is um, I think it is the magic. So, so we'll see how that goes and we'll have to game plan for them. But I mean, don't, don't look now if you're the, if you're the Preds, they're looking solid. No, they are. And it's a, it's a team that I consider to be pretty raw. You know, I don't think as Russell's talked about on this podcast before, I don't think he's a guy that's putting in, uh, a lot of heavy lifting in the offseason in terms of wiffle ball preparation and yeah. stuff like that. But they're definitely a passionate group, which goes a long way. Yep. Wiffle ball is a game of capitalizing on opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. It's a short game. You only have so many at-bats, so many pitches you're going to see. So if you can just do a couple little things right and let that passion fuel you to like keep you focused and yeah. locked in, that's what the Preds are good at. The- and they feed off of each other. And I think um, something that's helped them, too, that don't look past it is Rudy Ramirez. Yeah. The kid hasn't even really played. But him being there, that's a weapon for the Preds in terms of team chemistry, team morale, and if you're the other team, it's just irritating to listen to a kid, you know, kind of heckle you. Yeah, for sure. He's kind of the microwave for them. Um, he sort of gets them going, I think, feeds them energy. Uh, he's a baseball kid, too, so he has input, right? Like, he probably has some input um, that, you know, maybe Cratch might not have thought of that Warda wouldn't have because Warda's not a baseball guy, you know, when it comes to pitches that yep. are being thrown. Warda killed or, me. Other things, but um, I mean, the other the, the, the one thing I want to point out too that kind of might speak to just how good the Preds are performing at the plate right now, um, is they actually were able 
I know that they lost game two and mm-hmm. they only scored two runs, but they really were kind of getting after Sailor. Like they were they seeing were. him well. They were. they were making contact, which how many times have we said, like, who's going to be the team to like get after him? Like, that's why there was that long mound meeting sort of at the end of the game. Yes, like, that was dramatic. Kyle, Kyle knew that they were kind of seeing him. So it, for them to be able to like see Kyle in game one, dial back a little in game two, um, not, not a lot of teams have been able to do that against the Wildcats. So that I think kind of is another point showing like how focused they are at the plate too. They just play with a lot of confidence. They have a lot of fun. And I think Sailor's a guy who can mentally beat you because like, it's like, why can I hit this guy? You can get mm-hmm. frustrated because of the Preds energy and how they play. I think that plays a factor into it. Um, but yeah, they almost swept the Cats. They did. Yeah. There's big back-to-back homers there for the Wildcats that brought them that game two victory. Um, for the Wildcats, looking at them, um, they're sitting at 500. They played the D-backs and the Preds, so two solid teams. And I've actually been impressed, despite there's been an issue with the home run ball. We saw Bennett on opening day, Russell now. Um, but I think Kyle Schultz is actually pitching quite well. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has the numbers to show for it, but similar to how I was saying Ryan Screwball, like nobody has that pitch in MLW right now. Um, Kyle's like riser slash rising Screwball, I posted a TikTok of it today. Um that's, in my opinion, against the Preds, that was the best he's ever thrown it. Yes. Like, the movement was crazy. I don't know if it was the ball or just his arm slot that day or what it was, but it was phenomenal. Um, Russell and Warder were not seeing it well at all. And what Russell ended up hitting a home run on was the drop ball. So mm-hmm. I think uh, Kyle, like, has the potential to be elite. He, I mean, he kind of already is, let's be honest. He's yeah. a great pitcher. But I'm saying, like, Cy Young Company, if he can maybe just, I don't know, Avoid home run balls, really, yeah. that's all i got to say. Maybe don't uh, be careful. I think both the Bennett home run and the Russell home run were both drop balls. Mm-hmm. So maybe if he can get a little bit more movement on that or locate a little bit better, um, he'll be better off. But that, I think his movement is like – his arm slot and movement are uh, one of one. Yeah, he doesn't have the – I don't think he has the win statistics to show how well he's really no, he's pitching this year. Yeah, he's 0-3. And um, th- that that – just to speak to that like rising screw a little bit, I know you, Tom, can probably talk about both ways, like hitting it righty or lefty, because you've done both. But as far as like from a righty standpoint, in my opinion, and you kind of hear Russell a couple times, maybe just once in the video, actually say something after it was like a little audio blip, and he was like, "It's so far outside," yeah, and that you're ball, totally right. like I, I will say, like when you're up there standing righty, that ball looks like it's about an entire strike zone outside of the strike zone. And then it, and then, yeah, cause it basically is. And then it ends up coming in and, and you know, he's piping it up or hitting like a low corner or even just spotting it in the logo. Like it looks like it's so far outside. Um, and that's why, you know, when he can get that working, it's pretty tough with all his other stuff that he can mix in there. Yeah. Um, no, if you go watch the TikTok I posted today of Kyle's pitch, that was like a little quick montage. Literally, you see the release point. Like it starts, like in or even like beyond the lefty's batter's box, out of the hand. Yeah. It quickly breaks right, so you don't really appreciate the movement. But it's nuts. And as a right-handed hitter, it sucks because if you are like looking for the drop ball, which kind of starts towards you and then moves towards the, the strike zone, the way Kyle throws his drop, it's kind of that slurve drop that like Drew Davis features, Kyle mm-hmm. features, Daniel has it. Um, that one moves laterally totally different than the, the screwball riser, whatever you want to call it. It's traditionally referred to as a riser, but as we can tell, Kyle's riser is different than anybody else's riser in the league. Kyle's riser yeah. moves is a lot like a screwball. I, Jimmy yeah. can mix that in too, mm-hmm. but like Daniel's riser is much flatter as is mm-hmm. most other guys in the league. So Kyle's is like really underhand. It's crazy. Yeah, you can have you know infinite variations really, but that – my opinion, like what Dan throws is a traditional riser. And uh, even though Kyle's is like underhand, I think it's more of like a screwball just by the principle of the way it moves. Like it comes outside and, you know, comes back to the batter. But would you rather hit that? Would you rather hit that righty or lefty? Um, Just to make contact. You just got to get a hit. You just got to get your guy from third and into home. I have hit that pitch left-handed before. Um, I think I had a home run off of Kyle in 2021, but it was off of a drop ball, not a screw ball. I don't really remember how well I saw it last year, mm-hmm. but I, I know for a fact I've been frozen on it before. Where like It's like Russell says, it's so far outside, and it just mm-hmm. freezes you on the outside pipe or outside part of the tin, and it's just um, it's like a head shaker. Like, what do I do? You know yeah. what I mean? So, that, that pitch is like a – it is a hittable pitch when he, when he doesn't have it like – 
when he doesn't have that much movement on it, you know what I mean? Because you can anticipate it from the way he throws it that it's coming back oh, yeah, inside. You, you but when it's it, coming, when it's, it's moving, so yeah, when it's moving that much though, it's just like, all right, this is yeah, impossible. It's still so difficult to hit. It's just like most of the guys in the league. Most guys are tipping pitches, um, and as you guys have seen in matter. the videos this year, like people are giving signals from second base. It still is such a difficult sport with the reaction time and the movement on the ball and everything like that. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. So I even experienced that. Similar to what Kyle throws, like when it comes outside in like that, um, that home run that I hit off of Jonah Heath this year was a slider, left-handed. Mm-hmm. So once again, starting outside, coming in, I remember thinking to myself, like, like I'm not kidding. This is like my internal thoughts during the pitch, like yeah. while it's coming. It happens very quickly, of course, but because I know I'm looking for a pitch that looks outside because it's going to come towards me and it's going to be in the hitting zone. But the specific one I swung at, I remember thinking that's way outside, but it's going to be like right there. So I put a swing on it and kind of reached for it, and like it was just straight barrel because it came in just enough. But it's just really just the reps of the game, and you know I guess you can consider me a veteran. I've been playing for a long yeah. time, so like I know where that pitch is gonna be, and you gotta just trust your instincts and put yeah. the bat out there because it looked like I couldn't even reach it when I was starting my swing. Like I was right. like, this is so far outside, and then I just, you hear it, you feel it. It's like whoa, I connected with that. That's the that's the like the most basic piece of hitting wisdom I could give in my limited uh, wiffle ball career would be that if it looks like it's going to be a ball, it's probably going to be a strike (laughs) and vice versa. If it looks like it's right down the middle, that thing most likely is probably going to break somewhere either towards you or away and it's not going to hit the zone. So getting over that mental block and like you said, just, Hey, I'm going to put my hands in the area, right? Hopefully it hits it. I've seen this pitch before. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so that's, that's a good way to attack it. Yeah, hitting is not uh, easy, and it's it's actually very interesting to me how big of like a range there is in the league in terms of batting averages. Like, there's guys that are hitting like near zero, zero. and then there's guys who are hitting like 450. So, and even me, like I'm hitting I think like 415 right now or something like that, crazy. Um, but it's uh, tough. I could get into a more detail. I want to focus on this Toledo series. Yeah. But I could talk more about my approach maybe later this episode or next week because. Um, it is interesting now that I'm hitting fairly well. It's only six games in, so it's the seasons are short. You know, it's hard to gauge. Like, yeah, you know, your little like hot streak could last a whole season. You know what I mean? It's not like baseball where you play seven games a week, uh, nine innings per game. So it's different. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to me like the, the how drastic um the hitting numbers are in this league, and because it is so difficult, but yet some guys make it look so so simple, yeah, so easy. It's unbelievable to me. But anyway. Back to uh, Toledo, um, specifically for this series between the Preds and the Cats. Um, I wanted to touch on just the environment. Um, you guys, I mean, Kyle did a great job of kind of encapsulating what it was like to be there on the field and how loud it was with the crowd noise and what it looked like. Like, you guys saw my perspective. You guys saw um, what, what I was looking at and seeing, like, the people lined up along the fence in the outfield and everything, and I knew, like, I could just tell being in the moment, like looking through the lens of the camera and seeing a little, you know, screen on the on the cannon. I was like, this is gonna look like incredible. Like this footage is insane because it was. It just looked so cool, and um, like the the photos were insane from our photographer Brendan Baker, as you guys saw probably on Instagram and TikTok, and just the energy from the crowd was really special. Um, we had Drew up there, as you guys saw, and Chris Cheatham was up there, and many other guys, kind of keeping everybody excited, passing out rally towels, MLW wristbands, all that kind of stuff. And, um, like, I think Kyle left in a clip of, like, the MVP Chance Russell. But there was, like, several different times where Chance broke out, like, an MVP or, like, somebody's name or a team name. Like, it was crazy. And the reaction for the home run was extremely loud, as you guys could tell. You could barely, like, hear my voice in the camera when I was, like, commentating. And I was actually worried and conscious of it in the moment that I was standing too close to the camera. Mm-hmm. Because it was a little different than our normal setup. I was like, I don't want my voice to be, like... Um, like maxing out here, the th- like the decibel threshold and everything like that, and clipping. So I was like conscious of that, and I was like trying not to get too close, but I knew it was gonna be loud, and it was like a hard balance. So it was uh, interesting, and I think if you weren't there, you got a good feel for what it was like. But it's also like another thing to experience that and see how surreal it is when it's like a little wiffle ball field in the corner of a stadium, and like all these people gathered around. It was I don't know, it was odd. Do you do you think the video did the environment justice for the most part? Uh, I think during the game, yes, but once again, you can't make a YouTube video like 50 minutes long or it's right. going to do horrible, especially a video like this, 
So it was hard to do justice, like how awesome the pregame and um, like mid-game meet and greets were. Like you guys saw that clip of us signing autographs along that table. Yeah, it was like ten seconds. Like that was incredible. Mm-hmm. We have never done anything like that. And me and Water were talking about it last week. How it was like forty-five minutes nonstop, and all the interactions we had. But I'd say that's the only thing that really couldn't be um, portrayed as well as I'm sure Kyle or we would have liked to have. But it's near impossible for from an analytical standpoint, like to do that and still yeah. have to keep a video at a reasonable length and that kind of stuff. So it's a challenge we face every day, right? It's like as a, as a content creator, like you want to make stuff that's long and like show everything. But at the same time, you only have certain amount, certain amount of hours to edit. You don't want your videos to be too long. And as you guys can see, our videos are still on the longer end. Like yeah. it's, it's still, you know, you can argue that it's still too long. So it's hard to find that balance. What's uh was there anything that uh stood out as like a challenge or a real difference in terms of the actual production, like filming the video in that venue, like compared to the meadows, or was it pretty smooth? Um overall it wasn't too bad. Like I said, I was very stressed about like actually setting up the physical field. Mm-hmm. Not so much the cameras, but God, my voice cracks so much. <laughs> um but Overall, like we had the main camera like right where we wanted it. Oh, also shout out to Kyle. May have been the greatest um, idea last second for equipment in the league's history because that ba- we had the backstop, you know. Yeah. Um, like it was kind of just like ours. That was completely see through with the netting. Mm-hmm. We were originally going to be using a Toledo Mudhens field screen. So like, if you guys know what a field screen is, like from baseball, it's like what they have in the outfield during batting practice. Like it's a thicker net. Yeah. Kind of like a lacrosse net, whatever, yeah. or whatever. And we knew that wasn't ideal, but we're like, okay, what else do we do type of thing? And then out of nowhere, Kyle calls me the night before the event. He's like, yo, and I was like, hey, what's, what's going on? And we like already had our meeting about the event and everything. We had, we had our checklist down for equipment, everything. Logistics were all planned out. And he's like, do you think this would work if we put the netting on this little like stand? And so what that stand was that you guys saw where the net was connected to was actually the stand that we used to put like green screens on. We filmed the documentaries in the basement. No so we, way! We, okay. We took that whole stand, took off the green screen, and then just like zip tied the net to it, and it worked so well. So it, it was it, the it, original netting that you guys used then. It, that's that like the same. The same thing as the you normally do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so that created. It felt like so normal. Right. Because if I would have been like crammed. Like in Oklahoma, if you guys remember the Oklahoma Yeah, video, that was, yeah. That I was, was like like crouched in front of the backstop type of thing. That was like what we were going to try to do. Because filling behind that net, you wouldn't be able to see a whole lot. Right. So that made things so much less stressful and just easier and natural. And I think that might be Kyle's best last second idea of all time. Um, but besides that, like we had me on the main camera, Daniel on the secondary camera. Um, shout out to – I then Jimmy was on the field – after a little while, and I gave him my iPhone to film some shots. Cool. And then, shout out to Cheatham. I didn't even tell him to do this, but he took some videos in the stands. And I was like, yeah, dude, if you took any video, just, like, get them to me. I'll make you a Google Drive. And, like, that shot you see of Russell's home run, like, it going into the crowd from the crowd's viewpoint is from Cheatham's iPhone. Nice. So that's just, like, a guy stepping up. That's you know sweet. I mean? Yeah, you got to get all hands on deck for an event like that. We 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 talked that we had – how many guys were there? It was basically, oh, like, wow. half the like, league. literally – yeah. Like, that's a good showing. That that might be uh, some of the most guys we've had at any event, but that's the, – the footage couldn't have been better. It looked like such a cool um, – the, the little shot tracer on, on Brennan's home that run was, was great. Like, it was just so awesome. It was, it was cool. Um, I don't know. Just, like, I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say about it. It was dope. It was dope video, dope, uh, dope venue. It was. was it was and you were saying uh or I think we already talked about how you were saying the mud hens were hitting bombs too right oh yeah mud yeah. Hens were crazy <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a fun day it was a fun day overall and um really we couldn't have asked for things to go much better um I'm trying to think of anything there was like a couple things that like we wrote down or have on the on the agenda to discuss with the mud hens for future improvements like for example, one of them being like I would have liked to have had a microphone down on the field so I could have made announcements during the game like okay the score is four to zero heading into the third type of situation. Mm-hmm. But that was like the one thing that right away um, we thought could be improved. But I mean, so you guys didn't have a scoreboard really then? No scoreboard. Okay. That was another thing that could be. We had so on the Mudhead scoreboard, which was really cool. On their scoreboard, we had our like the Wildcats logo and the Predators logo, which was sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because once again, we pitch all these ideas to these places and it doesn't always happen. Right. So it was cool that we actually got that up there. Um, but so a scoreboard, it's, it's, that's room for improvement too. But I think, yeah, a microphone down on the field would be good. And then, of course, the Mudhuns can also bring feedback to us with like what they thought we could have did better or what they want to see change, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, man, for going into something, it's stressful, right? Because I don't know. I'm, I only know what I've been through. But I know like a lot of other YouTubers, probably the majority of them, are usually it's like one person behind like with their camera and they do stuff on their own time type thing whenever they're available and right. things line up, whatever it is. But for us, who are relatively small YouTubers, like we had a lot banking on this event. Like we had a lot of time and resources and just effort like invested into this event. So you want it to go so well, but you only get one chance to do it right. You can't redo the game. You can't redo the crowd reactions, right. nothing. So it's very uh, different in that sense for us, and it's, I can't lie, it's stressful sometimes, but like I said, when we were packing up things, and like I had told, if, like after the game ended, we finished those outros, um, I immediately, like the fans gathered around where we were, and like I was kind of like thanking everybody, signing a couple extra autographs, and saying goodbye, and I was like, I gotta go clean up, we gotta get out of here type thing, and then once I was walking back and starting to like take down the pocket radar and roll up the turf, I was like so relieved. I was yeah. like, we did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a relieving feeling. And it, and I'm glad, like I said, that the game turned out the way it was because I think even Kyle, I know Kyle kind of said it, uh, you know, off air, but he even had a comment sort of in his uh, post-game interview that he was just happy that, like he was happy for Russell, even oh, though yeah, they lost the game. Be- um, I don't think he's like too worried about the Wildcats like spot. He was happy for the video's sake, happy for the fans' sake. Um, so overall, just like yeah, hats off to you guys. You did a great job. It's part of the it's part of the game, right? But yeah, I mean, we all of course everyone wanted a home run to be hit, and yeah, I could tell you like from an analytical standpoint, like on YouTube, like that part has the best retention. Like it's a spike in the audience retention when Russell's home run and like the replays are happening. So. It is like what exactly does that mean? Audience retention, like literally their eyes looking at the screen. <laughs> I wish. Um, no, it's more so like so if people are clicking off of your video, um, or like skipping through your video, like mm-hmm. you can see what percentage of viewers are watching this portion of the video. Gotcha. And like compared to our typical retention, the moment where Russell hits the home run and those replays that follow, like it spikes up like an extra fifteen percent. Like, okay. So people cool. aren't skipping that part or they're watching that part a second time, like that nice. kind of thing. So you can see that. So, I mean, yeah, everyone wants to see a home run. Hit. Of course, on, of on. course. Who doesn't want to see a bomb? Yeah, Dang and it. just that, that whole game, which is totally rare for an MLW series on YouTube. Like, usually, um, to be pretty transparent. Yeah, um, I would assume the third game is, like, the least Usually, yeah, yeah, usually. So, usually, like, you see, like, um, like, you can tell there's a crowd that watches the intro, doesn't watch the intro. People who skip through the game, who don't skip the game. And then usually, like, the outro will have a dip off. But trust me, like, when the Toledo game started, like, it's a it goes up, which is so rare. It's yeah. so rare to see game three having the most, like, watch time compared to the rest of the video. Did you guys do so that cool. on purpose? Like, uh, why, why was it game three and why wasn't it game one? So that's a good point, Jack. So once again, this can come in from a, like, a YouTube YouTuber standpoint. So if you have that as the first game, then you go back to the Meadows, Mm -hmm. you'd probably see a massive fall off Mm -hmm. in people that watch the video. So that was one thing we were concerned about. Another idea we originally had, which I still think is a sick idea in theory, but this was last year, our thinking before the Oklahoma video really took off and what we think is in great part to the thumbnail of the Oklahoma video being the amazing field, game, that kind of stuff. We were actually considering um, some behind the scenes information. We were actually considering just it would have never worked because this turned into a big thing that was public event and that kind of stuff. But from a YouTube standpoint, one of our initial ideas was to actually have like it be a total surprise in the video, like just normal thumbnail from the meadows, like just predators versus wildcats, and then just surprise, like we're at the field. Okay, that was like an idea that we had. Okay, because then people like get excited, you know, when they're watching, yeah, oh my god, they're at the stadium. But once again, once we put our heads into it like more we're like this that's a bad idea you need it, it the better be. thumbnail in the we title that's that, more valuable that probably that was, yeah, yeah it's, that's much it's more not valuable. worth the surprise of like, right. how cool that picture looks of like that makes sense the field on the field if that makes sense that would have been a cool idea though oh you love surprising the viewers yeah. right and it was just an idea it mm-hmm. was never considered too seriously but it was like oh what maybe if eventually game, what if it's game three and just like out of nowhere it's like boom we're at we're at the stadium so yeah. that was like something that went into account 
But no, I think more so, like I said, the the main reason there is because of um, we didn't want it to be the first game of the series and then just to go back to the meadows and people are like, oh, I don't want to watch this garbage right. anymore. Not right. that, it's not garbage. <laughs> it's great content. <laughs> but I'm just being uh, as blunt as possible when saying that. So it's, yeah. it's cool when people are like, knowing it's coming, seeing that thumbnail, like, okay, when is this, what's, what's happening here? Cause that also gives them a chance to kind of check out what we're doing before. Right. You know what I mean? If you're a new, if you're a new viewer. So what would be without, you know, maybe giving too much away, I'm not sure. This is a genuine question, but, um, is this going to kind of be the plan going forward is maybe typically one game or one series a summer is sort of like a, a destination or would it be the goal to get, you know, maybe a few more or, or what's like your guys's take on that because they obviously youtube wise do well um but you know there's other like expenses obviously like associated with like what what's your guys' take on it um yeah and maybe a- kyle would have a different comment too but i don't know oh i'm sure he would yeah but it's um it's a challenge number one as you guys can imagine because once again i bring this up all the time i already said this on this podcast but it's like it's not just like it's kyle who's making these youtube videos it's we have re- rely on a lot of other people and players to um to play of course so it's like and film as well. Exactly. Too. Like, like yeah. it's just a lot of moving parts. So getting a large group somewhere at a different venue is not always easy. We're lucky that Toledo that was local. Right. Fairly local to us. It was like an hour drive for the mm-hmm. majority of the players. So it was easy to get a large crowd down there. If we were to go do this in New York, it'd be much tougher, much more expensive, all that kind of stuff. So really it <laughs> subscribe because <laughs> really we can only do so much. Um, right now it, it would require us to keep growing more like that. But of course, you know, we see the results and the numbers that the Oklahoma series did and that this one's currently doing. So we know what the audience wants. It's just like, how do you gotta be able to give it to how them? Do we, yeah. How do we give it to them? So this year, as you guys have known, we have the Toledo series check going back to Oklahoma again. And then in August, we'll be heading to Vermont, which is a private event, but that'll be at another new venue. Okay. So we got three kind of like non-meadow series um, with potential for what is the date potential the Verm- for a fourth. What is the date on the concrete. Vermont series? Um, the date on the Vermont series will upload or like actual? The actual uh, live. <laughs> actual, I believe we will be there the first weekend in August. And you but already know who's playing in that? We do. Diamondbacks and Cobras. Okay. That'll conclude the regular a, season. A snake battle? Yeah, battle of the battle snakes? snakes. And, Interesting. Um. It will be a private event. It will not be like with fans and stuff like that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's so late in the year that it would be um, you know, creates giving away for people. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, is it's this, this is private property. This is not like a professional stadium. Okay. It's owned by the charity, managed by the charity. So just to be respectful for them, we don't want to have people that we don't even know showing up and selling tickets and whatever right else. It's like, um, you yeah, know, we're being respectful of the of the property and Makes stuff like sense. that. So it was hard for us to even get on that field. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really happy to do it because that was kind of a last second event. We had a different venue lined up and that one was once again, like Toledo was actually like first brought up in 2020 things happened in 2020, mm-hmm. of course, delayed it. There was some staff changes there and lo and behold, we're not going to that venue this year. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was kind of like, I was like, yo, what about, what about Vermont? Like it was on our radar already. So we, reached out, sent emails, made it happen. So we're super happy to like have that on the calendar now. Once again, it's just a hard one for us too because we can only bring so many guys out there mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, Do you, do you think that uh, – because we've talked a couple times about it would be nice to have an you know MLW's own stadium. Do you think that would just – if we had like a legit-looking stadium just with the thumbnails already, send the videos – uh, you know, getting more views and stuff. Like, would that just like be an instant bump if we had that? You think? I think yeah, it would be definitely a bump because it will just look more professional. And, yeah. Um, it's just exciting. People right. love like new things, you know. What right. I mean? But I think just like um whatever other venue, like if we were to play in Toledo every week, it might get boring. For, it would like, wear out. Yeah. Yeah. Everything gets boring. So I think having your own stadium, yes, is necessary. But then as well as continuing to travel. Like you have to do both. Mm-hmm. It's very you gotta hard. keep it fresh. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about, guys. I'm trying to learn. Like on the yeah, fly. no, I'm just I'm same. I mean, I'm just thinking of random questions here that are popping into my head. So it's good. It's organic. I mean, yeah. Um. But yeah, we. I mean, of course, we have like dream venues in mind, like oh, Fenway Park would be insane, right. or like Yankee Stadium, all that kind of stuff. But um, just one one brick at a time, one step at a time. Fun fact, Jack. Actually, the reason 
this is this is in, in thanks to the charity for the idea. The reason that we're going to the mini field of dreams in August is because the corn will be up. Oh, no way. <laughs> like why. actually growing? Yes, yes. So the harvest has got to be sometime in the fall then. Yeah. Cool. It's good, good in the fall. So yeah, that was like, we had recommended dates earlier and like, you should wait until like later in the fall when the corn's actually up. So that's kind of cool. Funny. Good on them. Yeah. That was a huge shout out to them because that would have been a bummer. <laughs> we got there like, where, yeah, where's the corn? Where's the <laughs> it's just a random field. <laughs> but nah. So yeah, that worked out well. But cool. It's exciting because yeah, the other possibilities are endless. And we got a lot of comments like on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok, like, Oh, come to my city. We have a minor league team. Like, come here, come there. Um, we can't just show up, guys. First of all, we need, an invi- yeah. we need an invitation of some sort. So, if you know some people, I mean, feel free to reach out to them, and we'll try to make things happen. But, um, what's the? I gave what, you, like I said, there's a lot of logistical challenges. I'm just curious, what's the international fan base look like for MLW? Like, where would be if there was one place we had to go international? Would we attract the most people? Probably. It's a good question. I think a lot of it would depend on just how well we market it. Yeah. Um, but I would think like somewhere either I would say like either in the Dominican mm-hmm. or potentially like somewhere for like almost in Asia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It really mm-hmm. depends. I have our analytics, I could pull them up, but off the top of my head, I know like That'd be it sweet. is it is primarily United States following. Right. Like it's like eighty five. I would assume. But um yeah. Check but out. I know, I know, uh, I know. Brendan said something about that when we did the 100th yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. He said that would be something that he thinks would be cool for MLW. Oh, definitely. Do, so I like, was thinking about it. It'd be wild. Yeah, it'd be, like, surreal. Yeah. But until up until I went to Germany in the spring, like I'd never even left like America and Canada, like the right. Americas. So well, I don't going know like what actually you... international, like would be insane. Like, yeah. Out. What do you mean actually like, international? That's international. Okay, well, I, it, it is. But like, <laughs> I, Canada, I don't really consider like. No, not Canada. I mean, different. no, I, I see what you're saying. But I meant like go, going across the ocean would be yeah, insane yeah, yeah. for a wiffle ball event. Yeah. But subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. Hey, bottom line, subscribe. Smash the like button. Go watch the video if you hadn't. It's a sweet video. There was a grand slam at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Job Russell. You guys didn't know. Shout out to Brennan. Brennan always amazes me. I was doing I was doing my best behind the camera to coach every single hitter for both the Predators and the Wildcats, like noticing their mistakes and making the adjustments because I wanted a home run to be hit, obviously. Yeah. And I kind of maybe you can attest to this, Jack. I always try yeah. to help like everybody out. Pitchers, no, you do. Hitters, I'm you always do. like giving advice, like just keeping the atmosphere like light yeah. and competitive. But anyway. Um, for Russell, I think what I said, I was like, dude, I was like, you gotta just play looser. I was like, you come out here raw game one and you always do amazing in your first series. I was like, forget what you're thinking about right now and just go up there and hit. And yeah. like two at bats later, he got it. Nice. But my other advice for the other people didn't, didn't work. So you're his little guy on his right shoulder, giving him yep. the, the yep. wise words. I was trying. I'm trying for yeah. everybody, but all right. All right, folks, little break from the action here. Um, Jack is away, but I had the pleasure of finally getting on the phone with Patrick Lee who, if you guys are unaware, is actually the CEO, founder, owner, whatever you want to call it, of Patley Trading Cards, which is who is making the MLW trading cards that we launched that we haven't really talked about that much on this podcast. But of course, it's been a super exciting launch, our most successful merch launch ever, and we're um, just really happy to bring that product to fruition. So um, Patrick, thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Tom. I mean, really excited to be here. I'm a huge fan. And yeah, I'm just I'm just ready to talk cards in MLW. I mean, so we've been talking cards, you and I. We've been texting a lot back and forth, but this is our first time talking face-to-face. But um, I mean, I know our, the listeners here are, are well aware of the cards and just the quality and how they look. Um, it's just been, it's been so great. So let's just start from the beginning, man. Because um, I, I think I've been pretty transparent with I know at least with Jack, I don't know about our audience, but that I wasn't really all that involved with the launch of the cards, especially in the early phases. Um, it was mostly you and Kyle who were um, in contact. So when did when did first contact happen and when did this idea come into your head that you wanted to do this? Oh, man. Um, first contact kind of happened around last year, around this time. I think it was in June, either June or July. Okay. Um, I got the idea when 
I started to design my own trading cards to begin with. Um, I'm a huge Lakers fan, so I love to make like Lakers cards, like Lakers uh, custom cards, like jersey cards and whatnot. And That's around true. the same time, I just became a huge fan of MLW and realized that you guys don't have any collectibles or any merchandisable collectibles. And, you know, just being a fan and wanting to play around on Photoshop, I put together a couple of designs and sent it over to Kyle on a whim. So, you know, I, I was really surprised that he even responded, to be completely honest. And things just kind of started rolling from there. I mean, we I've told this story before with other with other um, you know, merchandise that we have. Like the strikes was a similar story of somebody just sending over a cold email or a message. Um But hey, I'm I'm happy you sent that email. It it all worked out in the end and the quality looks great. Like you said, you had this idea, because I, I don't even know the answer to these questions I'm asking. Like you had the idea and you were making Lakers cards and Lakers jersey cards. Like, how is that even possible? Because me, like, I have no idea how I would even go about doing that. Besides, like, as a kid, we would make trading cards for like wiffle ball that we made ourselves, like on our computers, and then just printed them out and like cut it out and then like taped it to a piece of cardboard. But like the quality that you're producing by yourself is unbelievable. So like like how many years ago were you making these Lakers cards? I I started last year. Uh it was just during the trading card boom that also occurred during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it's impossible to get your hands on uh, a nice card of a player that you like without spending an arm and leg, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so that kind of got me motivated to design my own cards because I like to collect the people that I enjoy watching and the people that I'm fans of. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter the, the, like how much a card costs or uh, how much like you have to pay for it or, you know, that social media exposure that you get for getting a PSA 10 Kobe Bryant rookie card, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I just like to have a, a card that I can be proud of and just be happy looking at. So that's just kind of how I got started. It took about a year. There was a lot of trial and error. I mean, I really wish I could have gotten the set out a lot faster and sooner for, for the fans, but you know, it was a learning experience and this is, this is just kind of what happened. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything, right? It takes a lot of practice and a lot of time to fine-tune things. And I'm sure even if you keep this going, you know, two years from now, you'll probably look back at this year saying, I can't believe I did this that way or and whatnot. Like, I know you and I have been talking about just challenges with shipping that we both encounter working in, you know, working in the small business space. So in terms of the MLW cards now, I know it's been, you said, about a year since you had first contact with Kyle and all that kind of stuff. But, like, in terms of, like, the actual developmental hours – what do you think it took to actually create the full set and where did you derive like your inspiration from to make, um, you know, certain variations of cards and um, certain inserts such as like the timeless treasures, the power hitters, all that kind of stuff. Oh man. I can't give you a solid number on the number of hours. Probably I too spent... many to count. Honestly, I can't imagine for sure. I can't yeah. imagine, but I know it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. Most of it was, um, Inter like learning just trying to learn how to use different applications and also even trying to contact manufacturers and try to get this thing going a lot of it was was that just it felt like a lot of wasted hours and just a lot of frustration but but yeah um in terms of the design process it just it kind of like you just kind of have to sit there and think and just have no distractions, no social media, no electronics, no nothing, and let your imagination run a little bit. So for the Timeless Treasures, um, for example, I wanted to go with a look um, of the four, well, four out of five of the original players of, of mm -hmm. MLW in its inaugural season and commemorate that. So it was... If you if you look at the front and back of the card, it's it's an it's like an art piece. Yeah. The, the front of the card is the art, and the back of the card is like the art plaque that you would see at a museum. So that one was one of my favorites to make. It was just it was just a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's really cool, and of course I hear about these ideas happening, and I I've heard the murmurs of the trading cards over the last year, and I had 
seen some of your mock-ups and stuff like that but when i actually had the physical cards in hand i was like oh my gosh these are so cool like i got so excited of course <laughs> and i mean our fans did too i mean we absolutely crushed it the first weekend um and right away because i'm more of a pessimistic person i guess like right away i'm starting to stress like oh my gosh this is a lot of orders and <laughs> poor patrick has to figure out a way to get all these orders shipped and all that kind of stuff but i mean kudos to you you've done a great job but since the launch, like, as, how much has your lifestyle had to change in order to to meet the needs? I've been I've been pushing you to get things done quickly. <laughs> oh man, um, the first two weeks, which just concluded, <laughs> actually, it, it's just been all MLW day and night. I'm either packing orders or doing you know quality control checks on the cards themselves and organizing yeah. packs. It's it's been a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. I'm I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now, and it's it, it's just really exciting for me. Trust me, I've been I've been worried about your mental health. I'm like, this is a lot of work, and you're grinding, like you're getting them done, and I uh, really appreciate it. It's it's awesome because I mean the customers they're ruthless, man. They want their cards. They want them now. They want them yesterday. And I get it. I get it. Them. I I'd be the same way if I was a customer. Just really excited to get my cards. So yeah, I'm I'm working as fast as I can whenever the orders come in and and try to get them out in a timely manner. But but yeah, working by myself it's a little bit tough. But yeah, be patient mm -hmm. with me. <laughs> oh, I I've like I said, you've exceeded my expectations. So it's, it's been awesome. And, um, I, I'm sure people who have ordered cards would love to hear it from you. Um, but overall, I know, just like I said, the quality speaks for itself. They're so nice and unique. And, you know, we've had multiple customers already order, like they've reordered since they've received their first couple decks of cards. So that's always great to see too. But I wanted to ask you as well. Um, when you're actually putting these packs together, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of questions there of people who don't know cards and I'm really not that into trading cards. I was as a kid, I collected like tops and upper deck baseball cards, like religiously, like every time I was at the store, like mom, can I have cards? Can I have cards? Back when they were like 99 cents and I would like get money from the tooth fairy and I'd want baseball cards and I have still have binders and binders full from like 05, 06, 07, 08, those years. But so when you make a pack of MLW eight cards, out of the 101 total cards that there are, what is your process like to actually build a pack and then package it and ship it out? That's a great question. Um, in order to ensure that every single pack is fair and everybody gets a fair chance at any card out of the 101 cards, I actually enlisted the help of my cousin to write a program to randomize the, the packs and the each card that goes into each pack according to the odds of, of a card being in a particular pack so mm -hmm. yeah everything is random um plus since there are so many orders it's really impossible for me to keep track which packs are you know like completely sorry that's my phone <laughs> <laughs> He's a busy guy yeah no 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 um yeah it's impossible for me to keep track of which uh, packs are, you know, like juiced or, you know, have absolutely nothing. And it, it is a bit unfortunate for me to see a pack that, you know, a fan might not particularly like, to be honest, mm -hmm. but there are also packs that are just absolute monsters. And I'm just so excited <laughs> for whoever's on the other end to open mm -hmm. them. So it's, it's a, it's a tale of, uh, yeah, it's a tale of two different cities in, in my, yeah, in my view. That's life. I mean, I remember opening cards as a kid and yeah, sometimes I get excited to see a certain player. Other times I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know, I already have a lot of these. A lot of them are duplicates, but it's, it's so cool. And I know like there's a community of people who love cards. Daniel Schultz loves cards and he was so excited for this launch. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's really special. I think what you've done is amazing and, um, we're really appreciative of it and we're, we're glad to be on this journey with you as you've kind of entered your your trading card manufacturing phase this year. I saw you launched an Instagram account. That's awesome to see. Um, but you were talking about like, yeah, how random the packs are. And I wanted to give my perspective on that for the fans listening. Like I physically, me, I do not have any cards in my possession. Like it's not like I have, it's not like me and Kyle, like have a set of the 101 cards, like somewhere hidden. And then like we could <laughs> flip them on eBay or whatever it may be. Like I have zero. My mom did, cause she was wondering like, she's like, well, I don't have any cards. I don't have any cards. I'm like, mom, I can't just get the cards. Like that's, it, that, de that devalues them. Like the cool thing about it is that you have to buy them and like, you have to, like your odds of getting a card are not any better because you're me or you're Kyle. So she ordered a couple packs herself and um, we'll see what she gets when she opens them. 
but i hope, I hope she get a lot of your cards honestly <laughs> that's what she wants right <laughs> Probably. I don't know. But I mean, like I have a lot of family members who are like, yeah, I want to see these cards. I'm like, I don't have them. I was like, I can't just get them. It devalues the card. That's the whole point of it. So, so it's true. Cool. I want to make sure everyone was clear on that, that it's not like me and Kyle have all 101 cards. Those those autograph cards that are like out of 10, those are actually only 10 of them. Like there's not like we have extras that are laying around. That's that's all there is. So it's, it's funny, too, because you're one of the signers for for that particular I subset. I can as well. confirm that the autographs are authentic. <laughs> I can confirm. I signed those at the Meadows last probably August or so. Last year I made those signatures, so they are authentic. I can I can certify that and I've watched every single person do it who did sign a card, all those all-stars. So really cool stuff. And if you guys haven't seen the cards yet or somehow weren't aware, um yeah, feel free to check them out on MLWmerch.com. We also did a post about them on Instagram. I'm gonna make a TikTok too. When my mom opens her packs, I'm gonna um shoot some physical shots of them and make a tiktok of it because that'd be pretty cool as well yeah and send me some feedback give me a review or something so i'm, I'm really excited to see what you think uh actually opening them oh i, I so i have opened a pack oh you have i have opened one because mr schultz bought some so i've seen them open and i've the packet it's unreal the packaging's amazing they, the car the card quality is insane the back is cool like the facts the stats everything is i mean you killed it you knocked it out of the park thank you thank you but other than that, I mean, how's your life been? You too stressed out with all this card shipping? Shipping's no easy feat. I mean, as you can tell by yourself, it's not not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it was a lot more difficult than I originally anticipated. But but yeah, besides having to sit in the post office for maybe two hours every single time I <laughs> I go, watch them oh, I manually you, scan I, I, I know, every single package. I, know it. <laughs> I mean, I do it every week. If you guys didn't know, like if you order MLW socks or a wristband or a towel, socks, wristbands, towels, and signed balls, I'm the one who goes to the post office and ships those. So yeah, it's not a... It's not the best. Yeah, we're way. we're not saying this to discourage you guys from you know oh, no, purchasing I Yeah, I appreciate every order, but it's just when you're like running a small business like this, it's not like the most efficient thing to do. But yes, we cannot. I don't. We're not driving the sales yet to have um a full on warehouse handling this and that kind of stuff. So yeah, of course, it's it's really hands on it. and there's a lot of love involved. So just know that. Yes, a lot of love involved, hand packaged by us truly. But I think overall, I think I want to say around a third of the inventory has already sold on the cards. So if you guys have not got your hands on some yet and you would like to, I highly recommend doing so as soon as you can. Cards are selling fast. And I think once our events start wrapping up and we have some more on hand to sell to people in person, um, they're going to go. So make sure you get your hands on some of this this first set. It's uh, Years from now, it literally could be, could be a pretty special, special item to have. So... Who knows? And, and, you know, we're not making any more of it. What I have right yeah. now is all that will ever exist. Yeah, that's the question. Are, are you going to purchase some for yourself? Are you going to have some on deck? I think you I'll have, have the I think, yeah, I think I'll have a pack or two just to keep around. But, but, you know, I'm just going to keep the digital files and just have that as like a poster or something just to commemorate the fact that, that I cool. did this. That would be yeah. cool. <laughs> but besides that, I want to leave the collecting to the fans. I want I want the fans to really enjoy collecting and I'm really excited to see who's going to be the first person to collect the entire set. I think I think that'll be amazing to do see. Do you think it's doable though? Just just from buying packs, do you think it's doable? See, that's the thing. It's they're called trading cards, but yep. you don't see people trading too much anymore. So you know, it, it's got to start from a small community, but I th I think it's really doable. We got to bring the trading aspect, trading yeah. cards back, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think uh, this is a great opportunity to do so. No, I think you're 100 percent right, and we already are brainstorming ways to make that happen. So, um, yeah, I I think like I said, I think it is doable with people trading, but just from buying packs, I mean, with only 10 cards of certain variants, I mean. I haven't done the math or anything like that, but I would assume it's like, unless you were to buy all of them, I feel like it's like getting struck by lightning. It'd be difficult to get everything you want. Yeah, it, it might be really hard to collect all 14 autograph cards, for example, but I think I think the base set plus the inserts are more than doable. It's it's very possible. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. Challenge accepted for those that have bought. I mean, I've already seen customers going north of like 20, 30 packs, so good luck to them. 
I know Mr. Schultz has his eyes set on collecting the full set too. So oh, really? That's already, insane. Yeah, he's stocking up. He's stocking up for sure. Dang, that's crazy. And, know, and who I knows? There that. might there might be a prize involved for some for a fan. Oh, for a fan who collects. But that would the be entire insane. Set. If someone did have the whole set, that would be crazy. It'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you or talk to you, talk to Kyle about setting up some sort of prize or something. But but yeah, yeah. there's got there's got to be some sort of motivation to collect this, and I, I'm just really excited to to see that. All right, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Incentives matter. That's what I learned in econ class, so we'll have to look into some incentives. <laughs> but I learned a thing or two in school. But All right, Patrick, well, I won't hold you for too long. Once again, I appreciate genuinely all your hard work on this, and uh, the product is an, the product is amazing. And, um, yeah, if you guys haven't, like I said, check them out. Buy yourself a pack, MLWmerch.com. You will not regret it. All right, thanks so much for having me again, Tommy. I'm really, I'm really stoked to see where MLW is going to go in the future. Absolutely. Hey, you're right there with us now. You're part of the team. You're in. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Patrick. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, folks. going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at MLW. Next series this Friday is Magic versus Cobras, which Agno will be playing in. So we'll have to get his thoughts on that series next week. Um, let's go, Magic. Rooting for you, Jack. Wands but, uh, up. Wands up. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.